Chapter 8 of Gypsy, the Talking Dog A Story for Young Folks This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gypsy, the Talking Dog A Story for Young Folks By Tudor Jinx Chapter 8 Plans for a Journey as Joe was slinking away in the darkness, he was suddenly startled by a barking close at his heels. Before he thought, he jumped into the air and began to run. Gypsy, for it was the little dog who had seized the opportunity to annoy his old enemy, ran after the man for a few rods, snapping at the heels of his shoes, barking and making all the noise he could. In a few minutes, Joe stopped, and turning round, waited for the dog to come up, hoping to catch him. But the dog was too wise to keep up the attack. He had meant only to give Joe a good scare, and having done that, he now turned and made his way home, chuckling and wagging his tail to himself in the dark. Gypsy's wandering outdoor life had made him wise and cautious. He did not know but that Joe might be sly enough to slip back to the house before him, and so Gypsy followed the man's trail at a distance, until sure that he was not coming back. It was so late when Gypsy returned to his home that Chris and Helen had gone to bed. Their mother was sitting at her sewing in the parlor, and the father was in his study, reading. Gypsy scratched at the door until let in, and then trotted into the study, jumping softly into a chair near the table where the children's father was sitting. So you are back again, you wise little fellow, his master began. You showed your good sense by keeping out of the way, for that man would have picked you up and carried you off like a bag of meal. Grumph, said Gypsy, moving uneasily. But there is one thing I don't understand, the man went on, really talking to himself, and that is about your speaking that night. I'm certain somebody spoke. Grumph said Gypsy again. He was trying to make up his mind to talk, but it came hard to begin. That's right, old fellow. Speak up, said the master, laughing. Now, this made Gypsy a little angry. It was as if his master thought he was an ordinary dog that couldn't speak if he liked. Being angry, Gypsy spoke right out before he thought. Then I will speak, said he. If you will listen for a few minutes... I'd like to explain things. So you can speak, exclaimed his master. I shall begin to believe in fairy stories next. How came you to learn? One gets used to anything. The first time Gypsy spoke, it had seemed almost miraculous. Now it was simply wonderful. And as he went on talking, his master soon forgot that it was even unusual. My master taught me. He was one of those that travel about the streets of Paris, giving shows in the little parks and on the sidewalks, said Gypsy. And then he briefly went over his story again, much as he had told it to Galopoff. When he had finished, the children's father, who had listened very attentively, remained silent for some time before he had thought out just what he wished to say. At last he said, what you have told me has made me understand much better all that has happened. Now I can see 
that though you were willing to come to us for a while, rather than stay with those men that stole you, yet you would like to get back to your old master. Am I right? Yes, sir, the dog replied. He was good to me. I helped him make his living, and now he is all alone in the world, and I don't know how he can make money enough to get along. He made a living before he had you. True enough, Gypsy replied. But that was when he was in the circus. Since I have been with him, he has not kept in practice, and other men have taken his place. Besides, I know he did not like to work in the circus. I think I ought to get back to him if I can. You have been good to me to defend me when that man tried to get me back, and your children, too, have treated me kindly. But unless you or they very much wish me to stay, I think I should like to leave for a while. They have gone to bed now, said their father. But in the morning, I will have a little talk with them and see how they feel about it. Thank you, sir, Gypsy replied gratefully. Now I will say good night. Good night. And, by the way, what is your name? For, of course, Gypsy can't be it. No, sir. I had a different name. In fact, I have had several. But, if you don't mind, I think I will keep the name the children gave me. You see, that name will always remind me of the time I spent in the Gypsy's camp, and so it will keep me on the alert to avoid being stolen by those men again. I hope your lodging here is to your liking, the father asked. Entirely so, was the answer. I have never fared better. Good night. Next morning, the father talked with Chris and Helen about Gypsy. He told them what the little dog had said, and asked them to think it over during the day. They were delighted to learn that Gypsy was willing to talk, and both of them wished to find him but their father said they must not bother him just then. Think over what I have told you, and when you come home from school, let me know whether you are quite willing that Gypsy should have our consent to his setting out in search of his old master. But father, Chris began, but their father, shaking his head and laughing, left them, showing by his manner that he did not care to say anything further on the subject. Chris and Helen talked about the dog all that day at recess, though, to tell the truth, there was nothing to settle, since both of them were willing that Gypsy should go. They were sorry to lose him, but they felt they really had no right to keep him, and besides, they hoped he would find his old master. "'Wouldn't it be fine,' said Helen, "'if Gypsy could go across the ocean and bring the poor Frenchman back with him?' "'Yes,' Chris answered. It would be fine for him, but I don't see exactly where we come in. Do you suppose father would let me go with him? Of course not, said Helen scornfully. You are only a boy. What could you do to help him? He doesn't need a ticket to go anywhere. He can run nearly as fast as a horse. He can pick up a living almost anywhere, and he can make friends with people everywhere he goes. If he had you along, you'd have to pay your way. You'd have to carry baggage. People would think it queer for a boy to be traveling alone. And there are a dozen good reasons why Gypsy would do better by himself. Don't you think so? Chris didn't reply for a little while. He was thinking it over. He could not deny that Helen's reasons were all good, and he knew his father wouldn't let him go. 
yet he hated to give up the chance. So he tried to think up some good objection to Gypsy's going alone. At length he asked, But how is he going to get across the ocean? While Helen was thinking what reply to make, the dog himself came into the room. Here he is, said Helen. I am going to ask him for myself. At this, Gypsy pricked up his ears, sat up on his haunches, and remained in the attitude of attention. See, said Helen, laughing, he's all ready now. I believe he will answer me if I talk to him. Tell me, Gypsy, she went on, turning to the dog. Do you mean to go to Europe to look after your old master? Yes, said Gypsy. There, cried Helen joyfully. I knew he'd speak to me. Oh, Gypsy, do talk a little with us. There's nobody else about, and we do wish to know your plans. Well, Gypsy answered, it comes hard for me to talk, because I'm not very used to it, and I'm afraid. Afraid of what? Chris asked. Afraid you'll laugh at me. Oh, we won't, truly, Helen exclaimed. We should be glad to have you stay with us, but we think you ought to help your master if he is in trouble. But can't we write to him for you? I don't see how you can. I don't know how to tell you where he lives. I can go there, but I can't tell you the names of the streets. I see, said Chris. But how can you get across the ocean? In the boat, said Gypsy. Yes, but maybe they won't let you on the boat, Chris objected. I'll just go on board when they put out the plank. Do you know where to take the steamer? Helen asked. I think so. And anyway, Galopov can tell me. Isn't he the pony that is owned by the Russian who lives in the big house over there? Chris asked. He is the pony, Gypsy answered, and he can tell me. How? asked Chris. Can he talk too? Can all animals talk? Gypsy didn't know what to answer. He didn't know whether Galopov wished everyone to know that he talked. So he answered, Some of us can talk to each other. I can understand him pretty well, and he is a wise little horse. Very well, then, said Chris. I think, and Helen thinks too, that you'd better go, so you'd better pack up your things. I have nothing to pack, said Gypsy. We find what we need everywhere. Now, I think I will start in the morning, early, before you are up. It is cooler for traveling then, so I will say goodbye. Gypsy held out his paw, first to Chris and then to Helen, and they gravely shook it. Where are you going now? Helen asked, as Gypsy dropped down on all fours. I think I'll trot over to see the pony, and get a few directions for the journey. Don't mind my going. I will come back here some day. Goodbye. Then Gypsy trotted out of the room. End of chapter 8